Good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning. I echo, echo Brother Hughes' words. We're glad to have visitors with us. And if you wouldn't mind, we'd like to fill out visitors' cards. We'll have a record of your attendance. We thank you for being here today. Our lesson for today is on our theme, the Great Commission. And lately I've been trying to do a month-long theme. And I think it, it helps us a little bit to to uh, break down things uh, a little bit further than what we usually do. But we're doing a theme of Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 in which we are told to go into the world. And today's lesson is the meaning of the word go. And basically we do understand the meaning of the word but I want to dig a little deeper into that word and in particularly verse 19 today. Our lesson objectives for today are to further realize our mission on earth and to learn what we can do to fulfill our mission of bringing others to Christ. And for our visitors, uh, we do have the outline in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along with the lesson. Begin with the word go. Go. Go is a verb and therefore implies action on the part of a Christian. There are so many people that teach that there's really nothing more to faith than believing. And that's not the case. We understand that, that faith goes a lot more in depth than just simple belief. But we have this word go. Jesus told his disciples to go. It is a verb. And it does imply action. We understand from James 2 and verse 26 that faith without works is dead. There's something we must do. There's a work that we must do. Go. What does it mean to go? Go where? Where are we told to go? Abraham, we understand, was not told where he was going, was he? So we began with our scripture reading for today in Genesis 12 and beginning with verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram at the time, Go out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. We have a similarity in what Abraham was told and what we are told today. And that we are not told specifically where we are going. Christians are told to go to all nations. And that's very broad. A very broad expanse for us to reach. Basically what we are told in this command to go is that when we have the ability to send the gospel somewhere, we do it. If we have the ability to spread the gospel to a certain nation or even here, we do it. 
We take those opportunities that we are given and run with them, basically. One of the things that we often neglect in our understanding of what Jesus said in, in going to all nations is that all nations include right here at home. Sometimes we get so caught up in sending the gospel to far places and supporting them financially and, and things of that nature that we forget to go here. We forget to, to go to those that are around us. So spreading the gospel to all nations includes right here at home. In, in the community around us, and our family, and our friends, and our, our co-workers, those that we see on a daily basis, we are commanded to go to them as well. We have a duty to go. We may not be told specifically where we are going. But when we find an opportunity to go or to send the gospel somewhere, we should do it. That's the duty of a Christian. Go when? When, when are we to, to go? As Christians, something that we must realize is that we are always looking for opportunities to share the gospel. That's hard for us to realize. There are things that, that we do that, that we don't really think about including this command in. Do you ever think about when you go to work? Do you ever look for opportunities in your job to spread the gospel? If nothing else, we have the ability to be an example to other people. We need to live the life of a Christian every single day, every hour, every minute, every second of our lives. There's not a time where, where we really take a break from being a Christian. We're always live the example. And there are opportunities that that we come across where we have the ability to mention Jesus to other people. To, to maybe begin a conversation about the Bible. There are many opportunities that we have to share the gospel. And you don't have to be a preacher like I am. That's one of my jobs. Another of my jobs is working in a preschool for another congregation. And those are both great opportunities to spread the gospel. You don't have to be like Kirk and be the CEO of a, of a church-sponsored organization. But wherever you work, you can be an example. You can be a light to those around you. You can show them Christ in simply how you're living. But we're always looking for opportunities to share the gospel. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, 
1 Peter 3 and verse 15, we're told this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense or an answer, as some translations put it. But always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I can tell you from personal experience that when people realize that I'm a Christian, especially that I'm a preacher, that they ask me questions. Sometimes it's, well, what's different about the Church of Christ from denomination? Sometimes it's about something specific, something that, that relates to their life or their study. You might ask me a question about it. Well, how do you feel about this? When people realize that you're a Christian, and they will realize that if you're living the right life, they will realize that you're different. There's something different about you. Aren't we told in the Scripture to be a, a peculiar people? And when they realize that they're going to ask you questions. Are you ready to defend your faith? Are you ready to give an answer to them for the questions they might ask? Are you ready to defend the gospel that we believe in? Must always be ready and on guard. We are fighting a war with the world and with Satan. We have to be ready to stand in defense of the gospel at all times. So go win every time that you have an opportunity. Look for those opportunities and be ready to give an answer for your faith. Go how? How are we told to go? Again, this is something that we're not told specifically exactly how to go. But though we are not commanded how to go, we are commanded to go. Something that we notice is that the most effective methods change and improve over time. Some things that worked years ago don't work today as well. One of the examples that I'll give you is something that we have discussed quite a bit in our last few elder preacher meetings. Is that door knocking is something that used to work. But I think we all agree that, that that's not as an effective a method as it used to be. It's not to say that it's not effective. There are congregations that make it work, but, but it's, it's more difficult in our day and time. But does that mean that, that we can't use it? No. It just means that it's not as effective. And, and there are things that, that are more effective today than, than they would have been a few years ago. But whatever method we choose, we have to make sure that it's within the command of God. Go how? Well, again, we're not told specifically how to go. But we have to make sure that whatever method that we use, whatever we do to further the gospel, 
We cannot add an element or elements to the command. We cannot add to the command that God has given. Go back to Matthew 28 and let's read verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28 verse 18 And Jesus came and spoke to them saying All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. Now that is the command that we are given. Whatever we choose and how to go and how to carry out this command that is given to us, we cannot add to it in any way. We cannot take from it either. But we certainly cannot add to. So when we read verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. We're not told specifically how to go in that command, but we cannot add to that command either. Go how? There are many ways that we can choose to go to all nations. Transportation. Car, boat, train, plane, whatever kind of method that you use in transporting you or someone else, we cannot add to the command that is given. Media. There are different ways of media that we can use to further the gospel to all nations. Internet, radio, and TV as long as we are furthering the gospel and nothing but the gospel. Are there bad examples? Yes. Sending people or materials that do not teach the truth. Anything that changes or alters the truth, we must be very careful that we do not have a hand in supporting that work. Which means that we as a congregation have a duty to make sure that the works that we support are in accordance with the will of God. 2 John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine... Do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deed. So we have to be careful that what we support is furthering the truth and nothing but the truth. I'll give you an example. Someone that I'm, I'm close to, I won't say who, but there's a congregation. And they had been supporting a certain missionary for a number of years. And at one time he, he was good, he, he taught the truth, and, and there was nothing to worry about. And they supported him for a very long time. In some way or another they, they realized that, that this man that they had been supporting began to teach error. And that was something that, that really was a, a great challenge for the congregation because that they felt guilty that, that they had supported this man's work for so long not realizing that he was a false teacher. 
We have to be very careful not to support the wrong work. We have to be very careful to know what we are supporting. And supporting error financially. That's something that we have to be very careful of as a congregation. We are to be good stewards of the blessings that God provides. Go how? Again, we're not told specifically how to go. But there are ways in which we can go. There are ways in which we can further the gospel. But we need to make sure that we're furthering the gospel and nothing but. Moving on from the word go, we are told to make disciples of all the nations. We understand that we are to carry the gospel worldwide. This command is repeated in Mark 16 and verse 15 and other places. But in Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I used to wonder, as I was a child, how do you preach the gospel to animals and things of that nature? Every creature? That's not what it's talking about exactly. Every man, everyone that can understand, we are to preach the gospel to everyone. So how can I reach the world? Again, we've mentioned some some good ways. Media, supporting missionaries and organizations that carry the truth. We are to carry the gospel to those close to us. Our family, friends, neighbors, etc. Again, all nations includes the lost that we know personally. What are you doing to save the lost souls in your life? We know of them. We know who they are. What effort are you making in preaching the gospel to them? We are to carry the gospel to our enemies. That's a hard one. Our enemies. There are many people that might reject us for believing in Christ or for being members of the church. There are many people that might laugh at us, make fun of us in some way. I don't think that that we have the threat that other nations have where there are people that are put to death for what they believe. We don't have to worry about that as much in this country. There are people that face that threat. And there are many people that stand for Christ even regardless of what it might cost them even up to and including their life. But have you ever thought that carrying the gospel includes carrying the gospel to our enemies? We may not be able to speak to them as openly as we can with some people. But again, we have our example. But in all things, we need to remember Matthew chapter 5 The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 beginning with verse 43. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray. And pray for those who spitefully use you. And persecute you. Again, in 
an effort to carry the gospel to those that we would count as enemies. Setting a good example is one of the greatest things that we can do. Uh, another of the greatest things that we can do in spreading the gospel to them, pray. Prayer is powerful. When you have somebody that, that does something to you, that hurts you in some way, pray for them. Pray for those who are lost. Remember that God is unwilling that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, our enemies need the gospel as much as anyone. And we need to try our best to, to at least have the open door in spreading the gospel to them. So that they might ask us, maybe. Maybe we can teach them. Never know. Maybe years from now. But we need to spread the gospel to them. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. We need to baptize them. Why? What's the purpose? What's the reason here? Is there anything significant about this command? Let's look at baptism. Let's look first at the act. We understand from what Scripture tells us that water baptism is essential to salvation. I believe that's the case. We are commanded to be baptized. Even going back to the first century. The people on the day of Pentecost, the, the very first church service, if you will, this is the beginning of the church. This was the establishment of the church. And this is the command that was given to those who needed to be saved. Acts 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? In verse 38, Peter gave them a very simple, very easy to understand command. And Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For what reason? For what purpose? For the remission of sins. Repent. And be baptized. And they were. If baptism wasn't important, then why were all those there on the day of Pentecost baptized? I can imagine the inconvenience of having so many respond to this invitation. But they were baptized, were they not? They were added to the Lord's church. 
Baptism, as we really study the Bible, as we really study Scripture, we understand that baptism is found in every single example of conversion that is found in the book of Acts. And the reason for it, go back to Acts 22 and verse 16, and look at what Paul was told. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. And wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. I would call on the name of the Lord through baptism. Why are you waiting? Paul had already received the message. He had already spent time in prayer. But it wasn't until he was baptized that he was saved. That's important. Very important. Why do you tarry? Why are you waiting? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. The reason there is, is plainly stated. Be baptized and wash away your sins. That's the result of baptism. That's the result of full obedience to the plan of salvation. Wash away your sins. Who is baptized? Acts 8 and verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Notice what is not included in this verse. Children and infants, they weren't baptized. And there is a reason for it. They're not accountable. They're not yet accountable for their actions and the things that they do. They're still learning. There does come an age and a time where we are accountable for our actions. Men and women, adults, are accountable for their actions. And thus, they are the ones in need of being baptized. And what kind of baptism... Are we talking about Acts chapter 8 and verse 38? So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. Notice what is not here sprinkling and pouring. Those are things that, that man has come up with, that different churches have come up with, that are not the churches that belong to Christ. We're talking about immersion. Baptism by immersion. Going down into the water. Coming up out of the water. There's nothing in the water. That's what's in the act, the representation. We see the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have died and, and now we are buried in, in the water. And we arise resurrected just as Jesus was to walk in the newness of life. That's the baptism that we're talking about in Scripture. I dare say you won't find another kind of baptism that is mentioned. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name 
of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The name. It is the name at all significant. I remember talking to someone who was heavily involved in prison ministry and, and he had somehow acquired a, a bab, baptistry, a portable baptistry within a prison. And there's a, another preacher from uh, a denomination that, that was also preaching in the same prison. And he asked to borrow the baptistry and, and he was told no. And he asked, well, why not? Because I don't know what name you're baptizing in. That was his reply. The name. Is there any significance to the name? One may only be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go back to Acts 22 and verse 16. Calling on the name of the Lord. The name is important. There's no other name in which salvation can be found. Notice what it said even going back to the Old Testament about the name. Exodus 23 and verse 13. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, but let it be heard, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Don't even make mention of other gods. They're unimportant. They're not worth mentioning. In Exodus 34 and verse 14, For you shall worship no other god for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Is the name important? Absolutely. We understand that there is power in the name. Turn to Acts 4. It's notice verses 8 through 12. Acts 4, beginning with verse 8 and reading through verse 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Is the name important? Absolutely. We are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Only that name. Only in names that refer to the God of the Bible. Do the three persons that we have noticed before in lessons past. Only in the name of God. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. Baptism in any other name is foreign to Holy Writ.
We're told to go. We're told to go and make disciples of all the nations. We're told to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. But where do we begin? We begin with our own salvation. Are you a Christian? Are you saved by the blood of Christ? Have you been obedient to the plan of salvation? Believing by faith. And obeying in repentance and confession and baptism for the remission of your sins. Have you done those things? Are you a child of God? Maybe it is that someone here has not done that. Maybe you've not become a Christian. And that's your need. Maybe you realize, maybe you've realized for a long time that that's been your need. And if it is, then we'll be glad to help you. Maybe your need is in forgiveness or repentance. Maybe you've not remained faithful. Maybe you've obeyed the gospel, but you've not been faithful to God. We're told of those that have turned away from God. Maybe you're one of them. If you need to rededicate your life to Him or ask for prayer on your behalf or for forgiveness for something that you've done that has shamed the name of the church. If you have any need whatsoever, we give you the opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. Not mine. Not the invitation of the church here. The invitation of the Lord. We need to respond to the Lord's invitation. Come, as together we stand. As we stand.